That's Arthur Schopenhauer. He's a German philosopher, a pessimist. He saw the value in suffering. Damn it. Phone's off while I'm working. Please. Uh, It's yours. Who is it? The chief. Be right back. Yeah. He talk yet? Still just flirting, but he's getting there. You watch the game on Saturday? I turned it off at halftime. They ran us off the field. Well, no one goes to Harvard to play football. You did. I like to be the exception. What's up? Hand the jumper cables to someone else. I have an urgent locate and destroy. Give me a name. Sierra Six. Ooh, could be fun. The man has some street cred. He's got his hands on some compromising information. The kind that could put us all in a cold, dark place. Oh. Get it back. Make him gone. Does the old man know about this? Not yet. Heads will roll. Well, I'm going to need a full green light on this one. Open checkbook. Any means necessary. And Lloyd, I'm sending Suzanne to assist. I'd rather you punch me in the dick. I will gladly punch you in the dick, Lloyd. All right, ladies, focus. Six is trained to be a ghost. How do we find him? How close were he and Fitzroy? Father-son, kind of close. Give me Fitzroy's file. We'll find someone he loves and squeeze. Do me right, Lloyd. Have I ever done you wrong, Denny? No. I'm, I'm, uh, I got logged off. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. You can't handle the truth. King Kong ain't got shit on me. My day. Let's take me, boy. Let's Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. Welcome to Facing Off. Uh, I'm here. I'm Nick, and I'm here with Ryan Gosling. Just kidding. I'm not here with Ryan Gosling. I just have two normal, not as sexy as Ryan Gosling co-hosts, Fair. and they are Gabe and Layla, but, uh, um, not Chris Evans. And yeah. uh, this is Facing Off, a podcast where we talk about Two similar pieces of, uh, in this case, movie material, and um, compare them, contrast them, decide if we like them, rate them. How you guys doing? Good. <laughs> Good. How are you? <laughs> Good. I'm not as sexy as Ryan Gosling, nor yeah, am I as sexy as Chris Evans. But yeah, nor Henry Cavill, nor no. Tom Cruise. No. <laughs> So yeah, nor Vanessa so, Kirby. I don't know if we need to throw Tom Cruise in there, but <laughs> I mean, okay. I know that we think Tom Cruise is a maniac, but he is a. Sexy well, we're just man. listing actors in the two movies we're talking about. Yeah, you could put him in your pocket. He's so cute. <laughs> yeah, he's seven inches tall. Uh, what are the movies we're talking about today, Gabe? <laughs> we're talking about The Gray Man and Mission Impossible Six. Fallout? I think it's six. Yeah, because Rogue Nation is five. And Ghost Protocol is four. Yeah, so we're doing Mission Impossible 6, Fallout. Do you know why, Nick? Yeah, there are two movies that involve two spies chasing each other down. um, And uh, a person who plays a famous superhero has a dumb mustache in both of them. Yep. That's why. That's the (laughs) connective tissue. That's the main connection, actually. So. Yeah, those are the two we're talking about. We're going to use our normal rating scale. We don't have any new uh, stuff happening. We're all the exact same people we were 
whenever the last time we recorded this podcast was. That's true. We That's are true. the same. I will say, I guess, spoiler alert for The Gray Man, if you haven't seen it yet, since that's a fairly newer one, I would recommend watching it. Yeah. I'd recommend watching it. I wouldn't recommend thinking it's going to be Well, amazing. if you're listening to this episode regardless, yeah. you should definitely yeah. watch it. So. Go watch it and then come yeah. back and listen to these uh, silly people talk about it. I would agree. These it's fun boys. enough. Who we'll tell you just how silly. fun it is. Dude, uh, <laughs> We're going to use our one to seven rating scale. Seven's the best. One's the worst. Um, uh, sorry. Seven is an excellent stash. One is a trash stash. <laughs> Four is right in the yeah. middle, just like a normal stash. And um, we'll just go ahead and get started unless anyone wants to say anything before we begin. Ryan? No. Chris? Okay. They left. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're, we'll just start with actoring. Um, I'm just going to keep this very basic because these are. this is going to be a fun podcast. Uh, actoring is a... Uh, uh, Combination of different things we'll talk about. I actually want to hear you say it out loud this time. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to, but now I'm nervous, so I don't know (laughs) if I will. Uh, It's a combination of the acting, directing, um, I guess screenwriting, and the uh, uh, sort of amalgamation of those three things, right? As they relate to the performances in the movie. movie. (laughs) I'm only scolding Nick on this because we've had... These are all made-up categories that we came up with. But our point of this is sometimes you have amazing actors in a movie and it's not their acting that's bad, but they're not really given much of a script or they are directed in a weird way. There's more Uh, to it. One of those... Simplistic acting. (laughs) Yeah, a good example of that is like the little things. Talk you about know. the gray man, though. What's we're not talking about the little things, nor would I ever like to talk about the little things ever, ever again. again. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. What about gray man's actoring? Me? Yeah, Gabe. All right, I choose to accept this mission. Mm, okay. Uh, to talk about this, so the gray man has one of my favorite actors of all time in it, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling hadn't made a movie for like four and a half years. He was busy having probably passionate love with Eva Mendez and raising a child. Um, And I got to say that Ryan Gosling was on an incredible run towards the end of that uh, period in 2018 when he stopped making movies for a bit. Um, And then he came back and he was going to be in this new Russo Brothers movie. And for those who don't know, the Russo Brothers made... Uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, which I think is the best Marvel movie, uh, Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame. All bangers. So we're really excited for the Russo brothers to come back to action. They're given a ridiculous budget, and they have this stacked cast, and you get Ryan Gosling, someone I love. So I should love the actoring. Right, Nick? Right. But I don't fully love it. Um <laughs> I'll start with Gosling. I think Gosling's actually pretty good in this movie. And I just think yeah. that my friend put this best, Steve. Hopefully Steve is listening Steve, to this. Steve. Um, Steve. Steve put this best where he said that any movie that Ryan Gosling's in, he's going to put that movie at a baseline. And that's yes. great. Like, he's Very not cool. going to be bad in it, but it might be a bad movie. I can name, like, four movies he's been in that are very bad. And this is... Close to that, because while he's very charming, 
he doesn't actually have that much to do in this. And it's kind of frustrating. Like, I love the way he replies to things. I like that he's taking sort of his quiet approach um, with acting to this type of role. I think it's a difference than we see in the normal spy thriller. Um, But I don't know. There's something in it that I'm just like, the whole time I'm like, I really wish Ryan Gosling wasn't in this because I, he deserves so much better. Chris Evans, on the other hand, I have never thought is like an incredible actor, but I, when he really works in a movie like the, you know, as Captain America or in like Scott Pilgrim versus the world or like knives out, he's just terrific. And you love seeing him. And for him to take a villainous part in this one, like a really villainous part is fantastic. I think he's chewing up the scenes. I think he's having a really good time doing it. Um, And actually kind of makes me bummed for him too. Although I think both of them, you can't really fault this movie for their performances because they're both great. Then you have a series of cast members that I'm just either confused why they're in the movie or they just don't work at all for me. One of those is uh, Ana de Armas, who I think is an awesome actress. I think that she's going to have, she's going to be really great in this Marilyn Monroe movie. And I was really excited to see her get more of a part than she got uh, in an actions, um, you know, uh, context than she got in no time to die. Cause she's only in that for like 10 minutes. And I, I don't think she's bad in this movie. I just really kind of feel bad for her because I think she could have been like even better. I think there are scenes that she's really great, but she seems like she's having the least fun of any of the actors in this movie. And that's just kind of a bummer in terms of how they wrote her character and how they direct it. But then there's like, but like even her, she's in the middle here. Now I'm going to go to the bottom. (laughs) Billy Bob Thornton, Academy Award winning actor. I, I love him. He is... Just not in enough of this movie. It doesn't quite work. I think that he has good chemistry with Ryan Gosling, but like he's just got these corny parts. And like, I actually maybe he doesn't have good chemistry with him. I (laughs) I made a face. (laughs) I like some of the lines between him and Gosling. I think they have like a funny banter back and forth. But like, I don't think he's like in a in another movie. Doesn't work. Alfred Woodard, Academy Award winning actress. Why is she in this fucking movie? It like she, her part, it, like I, she doesn't make any sense for this movie. It doesn't work with her. And last but not least, Reggie John Page, who I know is huge right now because of Bridgerton, and he seems like a really cool person. And I'm actually excited to see his career. But holy fuck, was he inappropriate for this role? Like, first of all, I don't. I, I know he's like the son of. Uh, you know, the CIA director, but I don't believe that he could be this like high up CIA guy. Well, I mean, I didn't believe him as a villain. Handsome. What's up? You all you have to just be handsome, though. Yeah, you have to be world. handsome, but like to the way spy, he dresses, the way he acts is so like un CIA. It just doesn't make any sense. And as a result, I'm just like every scene with him, and he's in a decent amount of it, I just don't care about. One person that's really cool that I kind of like hope that they do a spinoff uh, thing with is the assassin who they hire to get the USB port. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know who he is, but he's also like, I think, a martial artist and stuff. And he is so Avic, cool. The character, you're talking about Avic? Yeah, Avic. He is, he's so cool. 
And he has this like charisma to him and this like mysteriousness that I'm like, I'm, I'm very curious how they expand this world. And I could see them taking these characters in a good direction. But I just am like, how do you stack a cast like this and not use it to the fullest advantage? So they, long story short, uh, I think I'm going to give it a three. Okay. Layla has thoughts. I saw the thoughts in yeah. her face. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to, I'll keep it short and sweet because Gabe, you kind of like went through each human really like perfectly, but I am, Thank you. Oh, I'm definitely harsher about it. Um, I, I wanted to just call him the guy from Bridgerton, but like, um, <laughs> Reg, Reg Jean. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Literally the worst casting I've seen in a long time. Like it's so out of place. It hurts. Like, it's, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's painful to watch him. He doesn't fit a single scene that he's in. No. He doesn't... The things he says don't sound like they're coming from him. Like, it just doesn't... It doesn't work at all. Billy Bob Thornton, oh my God, should not have been in this movie. Should not have been in this movie. He doesn't have chemistry with a single character that he talks to, in my opinion. Like, he doesn't even have chemistry with his uh, granddaughter. <laughs> like, it's... It's like it's so hard to watch him in any scene he's in. I don't believe it. It's painful. Um, the only reason I'm going to give it a three is entirely because of Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. Um, they carry this movie. They're both magical creatures. I love them so much. I love Ryan Gosling. Magical creatures. I love Ryan Gosling in like a quiet comedic role. He plays it so yeah. well. His humor in this movie is so funny. Like, I do find myself laughing so hard during this movie, and it's entirely because of him and, like, obviously Chris Evans as well. But the writing of both of their characters and the way they were able to take that writing and do something really funny with it is amazing to me considering how unbelievably bad everyone else is. Like, you have to be such a trained and good actor to be able to do that. And it's just a testament to the both of them. But... There's not enough else in this movie for me to like. I'm I'm cringing. I mean, Anna, like, I'm I'm obviously such a stan, as I've said before on this podcast. I love her yeah. so much. Um, I go like I'm right in the middle with her. I enjoy her in the movie. I think she's a nice, um, like female addition to all of it. And like, I do think a female character was really nice and necessary to like play between these two very strong male characters. Um, but yeah, they could have definitely given her. <laughs> Well, she just doesn't even, like, remember in No Time to Die, I I know that you were, like, a little annoyed by it, too, that she's, like, barely in it. And it was because of scheduling issues. But she does fucking kill it in in those parts. In that movie, she's having, she's doing the same thing, and she's having so much fun. Yeah. She's, like, goofy. She just looks like it's enjoyable to her. This one, it's like she handles it really well, but she doesn't, they don't give her what what Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling are getting totally. and it could have been an awesome three. Well, they like, just gave her like, reason, I guess. they gave her like, she's like two dimensional. Like they gave her no yeah. depth, like no humor, her major scene, her major acting scene in the interrogation room with fucking Bridgerton shithead. Like it's like so dull. It's so dull yeah. to watch. Like I don't Agreed. care about what they're talking about at all. And the two of them are just doing such an awful job with like really awful writing in that scene. So like yeah, I'm I mean I'm going to go with a I'm going to go with a 3 just for those two men. But also to last thing to okay. tack on what you were saying about Chris Evans. 
such a smart move on his part after playing Captain America for so long to just keep taking comedic villains, not dark ones, not dark shit, like really funny, quirky, good yeah. villainous roles because he's so good at it. It's like he's he found is. a new niche and he can like now branch off of being Captain America and do a well, million took other his things. Early niche. Like in some of his early, yeah, yeah he's you're, kind you're of so like a villainous type like person. That, yeah. But he's, but now he's, he's back, also baby. mixing in his like comedy because like yes. the first thing I had ever seen him in was not another, another teen, teen movie, movie, and he's <laughs> so fucking funny. <laughs> totally, in it. He's so fun. I also would be remiss to say, it, like, to not mention Shea Wiggum, one of my favorite character actors, one of my favorite like TV actors of all time, is so misused mm. in. Uh, gray, the gray man to the point where I don't even remember what character he played, but I remember being upset. <laughs> I forgot he was it. even in it. Yeah. And he's barely in it. And then also Julia Butters, who was like, who stole the show in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I personally didn't like her scenes in it. They felt really forced, but most people were like, Julia Butters is the next like it child actress. And guess what? She's in like, the, the, she's she's in like parts of the movie and she's serious and she's not funny there are some moments where she's like quippy like when he's doing the babysitting thing at first that's like a good scene but it's a misuse anyways i should probably go lower but i'm gonna do three because of gosling and evans as let's well. talk about mission impossible yes layla what are your what's your take on acting for mission impossible you know as a biggest com- tom cruise fan on earth what is your <laughs> Um, I, I don't know if this is going to be controversial, but this is where I'm at right now. So I'm going to like change it if I feel like I need to adjust this off of Gabe, but There's I'm, never been I, controversy on I'm like right in the middle with fallout. Like, I'm just going to give it a four. <laughs> I, uh, I yeah. think everything's like, I think the acting and writing is like fine for what this movie is. And I think it's enjoyable and I don't have any huge qualms with it, but I also don't think it's like anything special like at all for any of these Mm. people um i've never really liked tom cruise's like style of acting ever so i'm not gonna like talk about that oh my god are you saying across the board kind of (laughs) he's had a very versatile career so i hope you're not meaning like everything he's done yeah i mean that was like hyperbolic so i take it you're saying like action (laughs) cruise yes okay Um, fair we're talking Mission Impossible movies, so I'm sticking to Mission Impossible movies. Yeah. I don't uh, across the board Mission Impossible. I don't really like care for the what he's doing, um, <clears throat> and I think everyone so else is like lost, fine. Though. I think everyone's fine. I'm I'm not even going to talk about it too much because I'm sure Gabe has more to say. But I'm going to stick it a four. I think everyone's pretty average in it. I think they're doing what they're supposed to do, but I don't think any specific performance or writing of a character has me like. I need to really talk about this, or I didn't. Uh, on the flip side, I didn't like hate any of them very much. <laughs> Gabriel? Um, I think that's totally fair. And especially it's like an action movie. I'm not going to go to the bat for it in terms of actoring for other people. But Mm -hmm. for me, I am weirdly a really, really big Mission Impossible fan. Mm -hmm. And I just rewatched all of them again. uh, And I just... Yeah, but over the course of like three weeks. Okay. Um, But I just... I For one thing... I'm a huge Tom Cruise fan. And like <laughs> I am even like vaguely an apologist for Tom Cruise, but not not any of the like Scientology stuff or like any of the uh like really bad antics. I think there's another perspective to be had over the Oprah thing, but that's you know neither here nor there. I just fucking love Tom Cruise. 
What bums me out is that Tom Cruise was this terrific actor that was working with all the best directors, and he actually refused <laughs> to do a Top Gun 2 way back in the day because he didn't want to be just this action star. And what turned out happening is that he was so batshit insane to a lot of people that he ended up being this action star. And he's such a bankable star. I mean, Top Gun Maverick right now is like already surpassed a billion dollars. It still is like leading in box offices. But um, I, he's so good at it that I can't be that mad. I just think Tom Cruise is so fucking fully committed to the point where the only way that Tom Cruise is going to die, we all know this as a society, the only way he will die is Stunt on the accident. set of a Mission Impossible movie. Like, he, there's nowhere else to go but to die. It's very sad, but he's just so addicted to the action. I mean, this movie starts with him fucking whole. Wait, is this the one where he's holding onto a plane in the beginning? No, that's Rogue Nation. He's holding onto a plane. This one is like something no, even crazier. I can't even remember. <laughs> yeah, but each one, he's just going more and more nuts. I mean, did you see the tra- the the promotion for Mission Impossible that's coming out next year? Yeah. And it's Tom Cruise on top of a fucking plane. Just like like screaming. A, and and then he's just screaming, and then he the plane and we turns. We all know he was actually just like, was just on that plane. Like, yeah, he really he's a just psycho. Was on it. <laughs> so all that being said. I love to, rewatching all this. I love how committed he is just just in general to his like his performance in these Mission Impossible movies. If you watch the first one again, you start to see this pattern where he always has a freak out moment where he's like it's me versus the government that keeps fucking me over and he's like you have to understand we have to do this and I love it. He's so passionate, probably cuz he's an angry person in real life. We've heard his antics. Um but I love it, and I think that he is... There's an emotion to him in this movie that I haven't seen since the third one, which is probably his most emotional one when he's like in the relationship with Michelle Monaghan's character. And I just think he gives it his all, and I'm like... I, Ethan Hunt is, is the hero. He's just... He's my favorite hero, I think. Because he's just fucking nuts and he's put in these dumb situations and he continues to do them and he saves everyone on his team and he outsmarts everyone he's the coolest fucking action star ever what about the acting directing and writing as it pertains to the performances i'll talk about the other people i was just talking about cruise wow i love i love ethan hunt (laughs) now this movie as opposed to the other mission impossible movies is like by far the most stacked cast they've had you have the usual suspects of him and Ving Rhames, who I think actually gets a chance to shine in this one, as opposed to like the other ones. Like Lucius is always a cool character, but this one, there's like a lot of emotion to him. Um, Simon Pegg, who I think is just gets better and better in each of these movies. And then you get a re- two returning people that I really like in Rogue Nation. You get Rebecca Ferguson, who is so hot right now, and Sean Harris, who I fucking love. Sean Harris is the villain in Rogue Nation than he is in this one, too. He, he has the creepiest voice ever. He's so good in everything he does. And this one takes no exception. You have Wolf Blitzer in this movie, lest oh, yeah. we forget, um, at the beginning. And one of the more preposterous uh, Mission Impossible scenes. But then you get Angela Bassett. Amazing. Alec Baldwin. Amazing. You get uh, Henry Cavill. 
probably the first time in Henry Cavill's career at the time that I was like, oh, I love Henry Cavill because he was just like a boring Superman before he had done other little things. And then, yes, as Nick is doing, this is an audio <laughs> podcast, but yeah. everyone should know that he that was, was just for me. And re- Nick, okay. <laughs> he was reloading his fists like Henry Cavill does. I think he's having a fucking blast. And then you have Vanessa Kirby, who's having a blast in this movie. It is just stacked top to bottom. I think everyone's having fun. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's and I think seven. there's a lot of emotions. I'm going to give it After all uh, of that. six. For action, <laughs> wow. I'm giving it a six. Okay. All right. Tom Cruise, fully committed. Well, if we're going to talk about action, Layla started to get at this with, uh, with um, the other one we're talking about that I've forgotten because Gabe just absolutely just like jizzed all over <laughs> Tom Cruise. Tell me about what you thought about the spectacularity mm. of. I feel like Gabe just talks so much about Mission Impossible. I'm going to go back to Gray Man and break the mold. Sick. Talk about the spectacularity of Gray Man, Layla. This is mm. for anyone that's just tuning into this podcast Hi. episode for whatever reason. You picked this, this one. Hi. Weird choice. Uh, <laughs> Welcome. Spectacularity is uh, like how engaging is a movie? Did you feel like you need to look at your phone because you're so freaking bored? Or. Was it, um, you know, like super engaging, like watching a movie on a plane because there's nothing else to do? So this movie is like fairly recent. So I saw it fairly recently. Um, And obviously, typically for this podcast, I'm rewatching a movie, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't like it the first time I saw it. So I feel like that already is a testament to how I feel about spectacularity, let alone the fact that I was dreading rewatching it. Um. I don't love this movie. I think there are parts to it that make it really nice and like make it easier to watch. But overall, I don't really like this movie. I think that there are a lot of unnecessary parts. I think a lot of the action sequences 100% needed to be edited down. And there's just like, it's too long. Like, I think the pacing of this film is just like very poorly done. Like, the way that they break up the action sequences, how long the action sequences are versus how long the like talking portions are like it just doesn't seem like it has any cohesiveness at all and i find myself disconnecting from it like every scene um i like the ideas behind certain scenes and then they just take them in a direction that pisses me off and they lose me so that's kind of like my overall feeling watching this movie um and again it doesn't help that like there are so many characters and like things going on that I just don't care about. Like, I'm not engaged with what's happening. I'm not engaged with Anna's character. So again, that scene, as I mentioned before, just was like out the window, couldn't care less. Uh, I just feel like there's like a lot of like different things that don't make sense. Like, why does he keep referencing? Why do they keep referencing the big guy? Like his dad, that's his boss. But like, we don't ever. Sequels, baby. But like, it's mentioned a lot in this movie. It's going to be like Denzel Washington or something. I can't believe that Netflix was like, we're going to put all of our money into this and, and then we're going to we're going to say it's going to be a whole universe and and they like set it up that way and then from the start and then it's not good enough really for that well it's, it's just it's crazy to me that like that's supposed to be some ominous like thing that you're like engaged with and or excited for a sequel to figure out who his dad is or who the big guy is or whatever when I don't even care about his son. Like I just like I kind of want yeah, the dad to come and point. kill his son. You know what I mean? Like I just I'm over his son. Um, So there's just too many things going on in this movie that were not done well. 
that I was constantly disengaged. Don't like the pacing. It's too long for me. Um, not enough good characters and good writing. Uh, I'll talk more about eye candy once we get to that, but like also didn't really like it visually. So that played into how I felt while I was watching it too. So I'm going to go with a three for spectacular. Gabriel. Well, I'm (sighs) how spectacular was this. This movie is really long for what it is. Very. Uh, it is daunting to even look at that. And, and, Going into it, I was like, this is one of the movies that I'm most excited for because I was just, it, mm-hmm. it, I, we were really I had excited. no reason to believe <laughs> that the Russo brothers couldn't handle an action movie. Totally. You know, dr- say what you will about drama. And I knew that their cherry uh, movie <laughs> looked bad because they were just like the most inappropriate people to be making that, that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like going into this, like I was like certain it was going to be good. And then I saw some trailers and I was like, ooh, the CGI looks a little weird. Then you watch it and like first scene. I love that they just drop you into it with, you know, Ryan Gosling and and Billy Bob Thornton and there's kind of like a funny back and forth and then, you know, he's being hired to be this like agent. But then that's where all the background just goes away. It's yeah, just yeah. like that's it. That's and it. then it's years later, but you don't even know how many years later. You don't know how long this program's been going. You don't really know the details of the program, except for that he got, you know, brought into it and he becomes the best assassin in the world, even though he was just like some dude that was in jail. I don't know if he and, was like and a murderer. For, or what. And for doing nothing that was like he wasn't like Action-y. trained or something. No, no, no. Like it was literally family <laughs> And there's no understanding of why they're talking to people in jail and this is like why they're setting this up and like why he ends up being this. And then there are structural issues later because like you don't even get the background with Billy Bob Thornton and Julia Butters until like way later in the movie when no one gives a fucking shit about it. And I actually would go as far as to say that there's no purpose for Julia Butters being in this movie. Mm -hmm. It doesn't add anything except for that Ryan Gosling is a good guy. You know, which we're already like, they're already put us in his lens. I think that it's nice in the end that he's essentially this father figure to this girl who's probably going to become an assassin as well. But like, I don't know. I feel like I've seen that before and it's not interesting and pulled me out. We will talk about it in Eye Candy, but a lot of visual things fully pull me out of this movie to the point where I had to pause it write down some notes or text people and then like maybe get back to it later. I didn't even watch this in one sitting. In fact, I watched like half of it and then Layla was watching it and she was texting me about it or something. And she was like really into it for the first, like, I don't know, like 20 minutes. And I was like, I don't know, like I'll have to go back to it. But like, I was really annoyed with this. And she's like, yeah, I don't know. It just seems really silly and fun. And then by the time she gets towards (laughs) the end of it, she was just like, no, honestly, that movie fucking blew in a lot of ways, and it wasn't as fun. No, yeah. And it's just, it sucks, because you're right. The moments where it's electric, like between any any dialogue with Chris Pine, or, or sorry, Chris Evans, so many fucking Chris's, uh, Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling, or, you know, like them separately, I just, I'm, they're so good in this movie, and they're so like, it, like in terms of like, how much energy they bring it. Even Ryan Gosling in his like quiet mode is bringing a lot to this movie. It's engaging. Um, And it's so engaging, but there's just like, even the action sequences are so fucking lame. 
Like, they're really cool, and then they're extremely lame because there's so much CGI happening, and there's so many things going uh, yes, going Layla? around. Yeah. Sorry, I, you Layla just reminded your me hand of like she was a third grader. <laughs> <laughs> you just, I, I mean, I can let you finish first. I just remembered something that I no, absolutely wanted to I'm sorry, you raised your hand. Category. That means I know, that you I'm get sorry. To go. I'm okay. interrupting. Yeah, go for it. Um, I, um, I don't know if you guys noticed this, and I haven't asked anybody else if they noticed it, but I kept seeing that like oh god I, it felt like Anna de Armas's character was like really bad at fighting in this movie like every yeah. fight scene she's literally just getting thrown around like yeah you know you see Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans able to like keep their own like they get some punches into each other but like they're constantly fighting back and forth Anna would stand up and try to fight someone and they would literally just throw her across the room like she didn't even get hits in and like i don't know if this is just me as a woman being like this feels really wrong to me that like all the male characters seem to be great at fucking fighting but she's the only one who seems incapable of holding her own in a fight and it really pissed me off on rewatch oh i I every time (laughs) i think it's a commentary on the skills of police officers in general because isn't she a police officer i thought she was in the same program she was another assassin well, I don't think so. She's a police she, officer. I don't think she's an assassin, but she's definitely an agent regardless of or that. Like I don't think she's a police officer. Yeah, yeah. She's definitely she's, she's an She's like a agent. field operative or something, <laughs> like, yeah. Totally. I and No, I totally peasant. agree with that. Basically a peasant. <laughs> and that, <laughs> Yeah. And then, I it, like, even with that, like, some of the fighting scenes and some of the, like, assassinations and stuff at the beginning are pretty cool. But even regardless of the dumb CGI going on around them. But then you get to like, I w- and I was like kind of into it. I was like, you know what? This movie's actually better than I thought it was going to be. And then you get to the fucking plane scene, yeah. which is one of the visually one of the worst things I've ever seen, but also just so fucking dumb. And then there's just like a lot of like shoot 'em ups and like. I think they just like the Russo brothers didn't watch any of the John Wick movies and like realize like action has come a long way and like you can make it really cool because there is some cool fight choreo in this. But then there's like they just ruin it and they're not understanding that the more natural it is, the better it's going to be for the audience. For instance, the very final scene between Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans is really cool. And I love when it's like him with the knife i think it's funny when they're like doing banter back and forth and ryan gosling is just so annoyed with him but like like that's the very end of this two hour two and a half hour movie so like i don't know i'm at a three because i can't not be engaged when there's a movie with ryan gosling and chris evans but i mean this movie could have been an action all-timer i feel like and it's just so far from that yeah it doesn't it misses the mark what was your score i gave it a three okay okay it's not looking so good for <laughs> uh for this movie so far uh my it was score, a disappointment dude my scorekeeping is looking sad uh talk to me about mission impossible spectacularity for you gabe oh man i mean Mission, so all the Mission Impossible movies are dope. I I get a, a little bored in some of the early ones. Like, you know, the first one is like kind of aged poorly, but there are like, you know, the the most famous scene is still like you're 
you know what's going to happen if you've re if you rewatch it, but you're still at the edge of your seat. And they're really good about doing these, about doing those kind of like tension building action scenes. But where it's gotten better is the movie. The movies have become more and more self aware of how absurd they are, and they're totally their whole like method is. You guys like these James Bond movies, which are pretty insane and ridiculous. And like, you know, even the Daniel Craig ones are a little bit more realistic in some ways, but they're they're not over the top silly or anything. They're pretty serious. And I think the Mission Impossible movies just have had way more fun over time. And part of that is that they bring in the right like cast to be around Tom Cruise with that. But the other thing is they're really doubling down on the fact that they're they're the impossible impossible mission force. Like everything that they're doing is so patently absurd it, that you just have to be into it and you can't watch a Mission Impossible movie and be like, "What? No way they would do that." Like that's the it's fucking the title, point. dude. No one else could do that and it's it's so ridiculous. So, I don't know. There are I think this movie is just hooks you in so fucking quickly too. Like the very first scene with Tom Cruise going to the door and the guy's like, fate whispers to the warrior. And Tom Cruise says, the storm is coming. And the warrior whispers back, I am the storm. I was like, oh, fuck. He is. Damn straight, he's the storm. And guess what? I'm about to get swept up into this tornado, baby, because this movie is fucking balls to the walls, action-based. It's fun. There's emotions, as I said. The characters like really feel like they're alive in this one. Each of the setups are like... And I think this is something that the Gray Man doesn't have going for it, is there's a central mystery there's like mm-hmm. you are being propelled forward because they got scammed by this person and they need to like scam these people and they need to trick these ones and then they get tricked again and you never know where it's going and there's so many twists and and that's what's been so great about all of the Mission Impossible movies but especially this one you know you start they do a whole news sequence with a fake wolf blitzer on CNN and then the doors collapse and you find out that this is it, like you the audience is believing everything and then they pull the rope under your feet. I mean, there's the scene where Tom Cruise is talking to Vanessa Kirby and they're talking about the plan and what needs to go down and they say no witnesses. And so you get this whole imagined, extremely dark scene where they're murdering all these police officers in France and like the very last person is begging for his life and then he has to kill him. And... And then you know, and then you go back, and you're like, "Oh, there's no way that he, Ethan is going." You find out that this is just a vision, and you think in your head, "There's no way Ethan Hunt is going to do this. He saves everyone." Um, and then he fucking tricks them, and then a trick there, a trick there, and there's a bunch of like fight scenes, and there's a helicopter battle, and it's absurd. He's having the time of his life right now. <laughs> I just like I don't I can't imagine a more I haven't seen him much a in more a couple engaging weeks. action so happy movie. Now. Outside of like I know outside of like Top Gun Maverick, which I think does this really well, and some like Spielberg movies that really understand what an audience engagement is. This movie is so aware of what the people want and it gave it to us. 
And even with its long, long, long run time, it's still engaging. So I'm giving it a seven. The people love an impossible mission. A seven? Wow. I just can't can't imagine how it could be any more engaging than it is, besides shortening it. Okay. Well, so I'll start there. Um, Okay. I would like it shortened. (laughs) Um, It is long. (laughs) It's very long. Um, and I kept finding myself noticing, like, okay, so this was only, this is the only, the second time I've seen it. I saw it in theaters, yeah. and then this is my second time seeing it. Um, and I do remember absolutely, like, leaving the theater the first time just insanely ecstatic. I had such a good time watching it in theaters. Um, on rewatch. Great theater movie. A couple things came out to me. One being, I think a lot of the big action sequences could have been cut down by, like, mm. five-ish minutes. Um, I think that like, this is like a very minor example, but even when like the helicopter scenes happening and he's like trying to climb up and he climbs all the way up and then he drops, (laughs) like, I just feel like little things like that did not need to exist. Like it didn't like pump my, yeah, we know all of this is difficult, you know, (laughs) like Like, we get it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so little things like that really could have just been cut down. And I think this movie would have probably been like. Two hours, two hours, 15. And that would have been that much easier for me. For sure. Um, so there's that. Second, I do think you have to like, to a certain extent, be able to buy into the Tom Cruise thing to enjoy these movies. And mm. as much as I mostly do, I kind of don't. Like, I don't, I'm not as into Hunt. Like his character is not something that's super special to me or that I care that much about. So it's harder for me to engage with it because like he's kind of the crux of it all. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah, the guy that you believe in. There's no one else in. doing that stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like he's the guy that you have to be super excited for. Um, and I, I mean, I do love to all of your points, Gabe, like I do love that this movie is like not self-serious. It doesn't take itself too seriously. In general, Mission Impossible has always been like, it's been it has its moments of like dark and like those kinds of like deeper moments, but like it can just be really fun. And I love that about it. But I think personally, I don't necessarily love the corn or some of the cornier parts of the movie. And it doesn't Mm. like resonate with me. Um, Like just to give context, I feel like if I'm thinking about like spy movies that have me like hella engaged, it's like obviously like, or like action movies, I should say like, John Wick, Kingsman, like those are the types of movies that just like have me the whole time. And I don't know if that's just their gorier or I don't, I couldn't tell you right now what it is, but like there is something very like family friendly to me about Mission Impossible and it's just not as fun for me. But I'm going to, I'm going to go with a, a personally, I'm going to go with a five. Yeah. I mean, and, and on that point, like I agree, can this movie be uh, bloodier? Yeah, I would love it even more <laughs> if it was like, that's what I like about the John Wick movies. But like, even like John Wick and Kingsman, for instance, for me, what I love about Mission Impossible is, is that there's actually a lot of care in terms of like dialogue and, and what these actors are doing. Whereas like John Wick is like, if you if you break down John John Wick one especially is a dumb movie. Mm-hmm. It's stupid. It's sure. really it, it had no reason being this like big phenomenon except yeah. for that the action is so incredibly engaging. Kingsman is like very silly Mission Impossible esque type yeah. ridiculous action, but it's also like corny in a lot of parts too. So I, I, think- I think it's for me it's like this is like 
hey, action movies can be really well done too. Like, like you can totally. make a good story and all that too. And I think what you're saying, like this fits right in the middle of both of those things, right? Like John Wick just basically has no storyline and is pure action and gore and whatever. And then you've got Kingsman, which takes corny to like the laughable level, like purely laughable level. And I think maybe I just don't really want an action movie that has too much in it storyline wise. Sure. And maybe that's where like it kind of gets me because yeah. I just kind of want to watch something super engaging when I go to an action movie. But in general, had such a good time. It really is so fun. And, you know, aside from the need to edit some of the action, like, great pacing, great storytelling. I felt engaged by it all. I think the only thing I would say, like, I didn't, like, I didn't love the reveal of Henry Cavill being, like, the, the bad guy, guy that they're looking for. Yeah. I think like, it's kind of good because if you watch a lot of if you know rewatching it that he's the bad guy, you get a lot of his dialogue earlier of like how convincing he is that he is like on their mm-hmm. you know he's this like scary duplicitous dude. But you don't you can kind of figure out that he might be a villain at some point. Yeah, but it he seems keeps, pretty obvious to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, yeah, he said, but it's like kind of like the movie's having fun with it. Like, because yeah. if you re, it's like, um, like in Fight Club, if you know what the twist mm-hmm. is in Fight Club and you go back, they're pretty fuck. they're like, this isn't even really a twist. We gave right. this all like, to you. And that's yeah, what I like. I think he's having fun with sure. it. But yeah. I, I get what you mean. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm going to uh, go with the fight. Okay. Talking about Henry Cable and things that are beautiful. Let's talk so, about. Wait, do you guys do you do Cable Cavill? What is, Cavill? Who does what? I think it's Henry Cavill, but mm-hmm. I'll look it up. As he's so British, so he's probably up, Henry Cavill. I think it's Cable Cavill. 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 I think it's Cavill. Henry Cavill. I've heard People Cavill say Henry before. Cavill. It's easier. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up as we're talking because now okay. it's gonna drive me crazy. What's next? Talk to me about how beautiful Mission Impossible is, Layla. What is me? How sweet is its eye candy? Um, I think the eye candy in Mission Impossible is really fun. I think it's so much fun. I think we've already talked a lot about like the stunts and the work that's done around the stunts and the visuals of the stunts and like his whole sequence running to get to Henry at whatever point that is in the movie. Enjoyed the shit out of watching that, and I like how it's filmed, and I like. I just like the way that they film Tom, like the way that they film his stunts, like really, I think, escalates the work that he's doing as well. And I think that's like really, really fun. Um, I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's an enjoyable movie. I'm going to leave this mostly to Gabe because I don't have a lot to talk about. I have a lot more to say about Gray Man as far as visuals. Um, but I think when it comes to action movies, really good time. The visuals aid the action entirely, and I love that about it. I like the way that fights are filmed. I like, I have basically no critiques around that. So I'm going to go with a six. I know we're talking about the eye candy, but I'm going to pull a page out of Nick's playbook. Is that the <laughs> phrase? Um, and talk because I forgot to mention it in spectacularity. <laughs> but I absolutely love the score in in Mission Impossible Fallout. It's fucking sick. the piano goes so hard in it. Uh, it's You're literally dope. pulling but a Nick right now. I know. I said it, but wow. visually, wow. look like I don't think. Visually, this I think there's a lot of action movies that look so much better visually. You know, every time we talk about like a Christopher Nolan movie, I I really like the way those look. 
Um, there are certain directors that handle visuals very well, but I think that Mission Impossible does exactly what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. And in each one, they up you like you said, they up the stakes with the stunts, but like in each one, they kind of make it. They're using more and more practical effects with those stunts too. Mm-hmm. And this one has such an amazing stunt scene that looks visually great, and that's the. Like we talked about how we'll talk about it in a second in the gray man, how bad the plane <laughs> scene is. This plane scene is so fucking cool looking when he opens it up and there's lightning and he's like, what's the matter, hunt? Afraid of a little lightning and then jumps out there and they're like, he has to go like, go get Henry Cavill who like gets knocked out by the lightning and his oxygen is it, like, it's such an exciting action scene and there's such a care for making the action look good. Mm-hmm. Um, there That's are definitely certainly, why I'm giving it that high of a score. It's about yeah. how they do that. It's really exceptional how they make the action just feel that much cooler than yeah. it does in most movies to me. <laughs> like, and I also think like Christopher McQuarrie, you know, the, a lot of different directors, big directors have done some of the earlier ones, like Brian De Palma does Mission Impossible 1, John Woo does Mission Impossible 2, then you get J.J. Abrams does Mission Impossible 3, and I can't remember who does like Ghost Protocol, but then when when uh, Christopher McQuarrie comes in, who's now like making everything with Tom Cruise, he has this visual style that's sleek. It's not too dumb looking. It's not too fake looking. You know, like how Marvel movies have these like really weird lightings. There's like lens flares. So he's like kind of, t- kind of, you know, like paying uh, homage to J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams. Like, I, I, I think that there's a level to this that looks so sleek and not distractingly commercial mm-hmm. that I like. And then, couple that with the action sequences i'm just so invested in that and then there's this there they play with the gadgets in a really fun way like first of all they've gotten so much better over time at doing the face uh thing whenever they rip off a face it looks really cool um i think there's a lot of camera editing like when they trick henry cavill into like admitting all the stuff that he's doing with sean harris I, I love the way they do that, where they're both sitting in, both of the Sean Harris's are sitting in the chair, oh, and yeah. you as the audience don't even know, but you could kind of suspect that they're playing that on him. Um, I will say one negative visual thing, and that's, I, I like that they do title sequences in these movies, like James Bond and this, and usually the Mission Impossible ones kind of show like a preview of what you're about to see, but this one literally shows like all the scenes you're about to see. It, in the title sequence. And that's fucking lame. Don't do that movie. <laughs> like, I'm going to watch the movie. I'm not going to just watch the title sequence and be like, you know what? Got the whole thing. I'm good. I'm going to watch it. You don't need to show me that. You're not so, getting hyped up as you're watching it? <laughs> no. And it, it's like those little trailers for the trailers, you know? Yeah, like, this movie favorite. starts in three, two, one. It's like, Or this trailer. And I'm like, this is also a trailer that leads into the movie. I don't need it. So that's the negative thing. I don't think this is the best visually, as I said. So I'm yeah. I'm gonna give it a six out of seven. But I, these mo- I'm telling you, as I just watched all of them, like these movies are getting better and better visually, and they are just remarkable action movies. You guys have hinted at Gray Man's um, <laughs> not so greatness. Uh, talk. Don't belabor it, because they they're gonna, you're gonna hurt Ryan's feelings. Or the Russo about brothers. him, yeah. 
How bad was it? Gabe. I mean, okay. Gabe. How bad was it, Gabe? Comma, Gabe. I'm a big <laughs> hater on overusage of CGI. Everyone knows that that listens to this podcast. I think you could do CGI effectively, a la David Fincher and Denis Villeneuve. But when I can tell that it's CGI, I'm no longer interested in what I'm seeing on the screen. Because that's just why. I don't want to look at a computer-generated thing. And this movie is so fucking obnoxious with its CGI and its drone filming that I am taken out at every moment. (laughs) The drone. The number one thing about the CGI that that makes me so mad is an otherwise good, good, like like a scene could be really fucking cool and I'm already heavily invested in it and they added effects into it that that they never needed to add. Why in almost every scene of this movie is there smoke <laughs> is it because he's the gray man like that's I the gray part yeah every single scene they put in cgi smoke it's not even real smoke that would look kind of cool but i'm sure the uh, actors can do their scenes with that but they put in cgi smoke and it looks bad there's too many lights going on. Everything looks so fucking fake in the background. There's a scene where he shows up at the cemetery and he's talking to Billy Bob Thornton. And it's so clear that the background where Billy Bob Thornton is, is CGI. Like it's a, it's a green screen behind him. I, it's so they, it's like the Russo brothers. They got handed this insane budget and didn't know how to use it. And by the way, their CGI is so fun and awesome in the Marvel movies. But when we're gra- when there's no aliens involved and it's just people, like take a note out of what John Wick does, what the Raid movie does, and and what the Mission Impossible movies and even like James Bond movies do, and make it look more real because you are going to take me out at every second. And then speaking of the drone footage, whoever showed. Both Michael Bay, if you've seen Ambulance this year, but also the Russo brothers, how to use a drone and how to film with a drone needs to die. I'm I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. That person needs to die because they, holy fuck, do they abuse it. The first time you see it, when it zooms in over the characters and it's going around, really cool. The next 50 times, not cool at all. It, like, in every way, it's the it's the least cool. It's like the nerdiest thing. Fuck them and their drone footage. Fuck them and their CGI. This movie could have been so good if it was just more natural and visually cool. Uh, and we actually got to see the locations they were going to. I'm giving it a two. Gabe Siegel, enemy of drones. And CGI. And CGI. Layla. Two out of seven. How much do you fucking hate drones? <laughs> In this movie, I fucking hate them. Uh, I gave it a two as well. I okay. The drone shots are too much, man. They're 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 so harmful to this movie, and it's just so crazy to me that while it's happening in the movie, you can tell how cool they thought they fucking were for doing it, and it just makes <laughs> yeah, me hate like them the whole even movie. more. Yeah. Like every time, it pisses me off, and it's so. so cool obvious when it's happening like it's just such a specific type of shot and they do it so much throughout the movie and it's maddening it's truly maddening um but aside from that i mean everything gabe said and then i'll just finish off with like i also kind of just hate the like coloring a lot in the movie like they also were like trying to be really like fantastical a lot of the time like the first whole sequence with like all the fireworks and stuff like 
I just didn't was like this a any Baz of it. Luhrmann movie. It's like it was, so insane. It was so. It oh really God, felt so weird and out of place. Like it's like <sighs> I was like, are they gonna just be fantastical the whole movie? And then they weren't. It was just that scene at the beginning, and like. I also didn't even like the fight, the way the fight looked with all of the fireworks, because the fireworks just looked really fake and weird. Oh, yeah. Um, Agreed. Man, I blacked that scene out. Wait, and and (laughs) we've also alluded to the fact that there's this ridiculous plane scene in this. Yes. But the, holy shit, does the plane scene look bad. It, like it, there is a plane crash and he's bad. It makes me feel awful while I'm watching it. Like yeah. I don't like like my brain Dizzying, shuts disgusting. down while it's happening. Yeah. It was uncomfortable. I didn't look most of the time. It's not fun to make me feel like I'm also just falling. Like I'm trying to watch a movie. Like I want to see what's happening right now. I want to enjoy like the cool visual of what's happening. There's obviously ways for that to be done. It's been done before. Um, it's so dizzying. It's so uncomfortable. You can't catch a shot of what's actually happening because they keep yeah. fucking editing every goddamn second and switching the frame. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the two. Yeah, and, and even the train scene. Like, it's we should have known from the trailer because they show him in the trailer on the train and a really fake background, clearly not actually like on a train or anything like Tom Cruise would have done. Um, but then also him jumping from the train is so fake looking and so dumb. It's yeah. it's painful. It's pitiful. Fuck you, Netflix. <laughs> How about the originality of the gray man? And then we're going to give Gabe some time to cool down and let Layla talk about whether or not we needed it a It is movie. really hot in here. So. Like, it is very hot in here, and I'm still wearing my clothes from work, and it's warm. What... Um, what, like, do we need the gray man? Is it original? No, um, no, is anything no. about it something that's, uh, you know, new to the genre no. or to the world in general? No. No. Oh, okay. Uh, there's There really is not. <laughs> I mean, I just... I don't, I don't, I really no, don't it's a one There's game. <laughs> a million tropes in this movie that have been done a, a oh, yeah. fucking million times. And they didn't even do it well or, like, differently. Like, it's the trope of... The, like, big bad killer guy having some little girl he feels he needs to protect. Done. Been done before. The yeah. trope of, like, the CIA guy going bad. Been done before. The trope of, like, everything in this movie is a trope that's existed in some kind of, like, spy or whatever movie before. Or the fact that they created a, like, subset within the CIA of, like, kind of, like, villainous, like, criminal people to do their dirty shit for them. Like, Again, it's just this nothing about this movie is original to me at all. Like I don't know. I do I do really like the character writing of like the Chris Evans villain, but again like not anything that like is going to make me go super high on this score. I don't even Well, it's not like it? we've never seen a movie where there's like a fun villain. Yeah, or like a yeah, funny or a villain that's person. like yeah. yeah, connected to the CIA but adjacent to them at the same time yeah yeah Yeah, i'll give it a one honestly i don't i can you think of a single thing that you think is super original about this no i was actually gonna like say you can get a movie like born legacy which is like the fourth born movie and it's an offset of born movies and that movie is leagues more original Original. than this like and it's the same kind of concept that they're like you're trying to figure out what treadstone actually is and all these people are like trained in this way and like Nothing about the story is original. Not Nothing about thing. 
the what happens in the story is original. The only original thing is that they made the CIA made the CIA have these two people who graduated from Harvard that are like so unlike anyone that's ever worked in the CIA. Like that's the only original thing is that they like everything is so cartoonish. I like there was so much they could have done with this with this whole prison system. Like one of my favorite um uh one of my favorite book series of all time is the Passage series, mm. which they really poorly turned into a TV show. But the books are really good. But in that, they use this vampire, like superhuman type formula, and they give it only to death row inmates because they're going to try to test it out for like military, or whatever. And it ends up, you know, destroying the world. But like, this movie could have done that. You could have had these like trained guys from prison and stuff. But at the same time, like that wasn't going to be original. Black Widow is so similar to that. Like there, there, I can name like a million things where a this million, movie took from those and doesn't add at any moment to any of it. But also does Nothing. it worse? Like it's, it's yeah. not even just that they did it well. Yeah, like sometimes you can just, bad part. M- you can just make a movie and like use some of our favorite tropes. That's fine. I love these tropes. I like seeing them done with different actors. It's fine. But if it's bad, what is the point? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> There's a formula. And, and Follow it. <laughs> it's just very uninspired. Yeah. I can chime in. The whole movie is very uninspired to me. And I liked it more than you guys did. No, I, and I, I, I still I think even, like, it's incredibly uninspired i also want to specify like i actually like decently like this movie in certain parts i think it could have been way better and it annoys me but in terms of just originality when we break it down into these kind of categories mm-hmm. like it has to be a one. Oh boy there yeah, is I'm nothing just, creative be, about right? this movie it has to be There's a, not rare, a, thing that a rare cumulative two <laughs> uh let's talk about mission impossibles originality did we need i guess for this one because it is in a series of a bajillion movies do we need this one is this one necessary is there anything about this one i guess that let's say anything about this one that stands out because it is in such a long um you know series of of movies that's a great so question and i would like gabe to answer it because i so have sequels. no answer to this <laughs> i i would so it, it, i i I do think it's well. It, this is the question. Every time there's a Mission Impossible movie coming out, your question should be: as a normal human being, do we need this? Do one? we choose to accept it? Like, do do we choose to accept this Mission Impossible? <laughs> um, and every time I leave a Mission Impossible movie since the like third one, which I think is the first time where it's like, oh, this should be a series because they, yeah. that one is so fucking good. Yeah. Like yeah. in terms of changing up what they're doing with it. That's the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman. No, yeah, is it Ghost Protocol? No, Ghost Protocol is the fourth one. That's the one that they were kind of like having Jeremy Renner come in and be like sort of like a Ethan Hunt esque person, and then Rogue Nation, and then Fallout, and next Dead Reckoning Part One, and then Part Two. But each of them, each of them delivers. Like in the last in the last few ones, they deliver every yes, time. The they're they're sure. not repetitive. I don't think they're repetitive. I don't think they have the same structure. They don't have the same missions. Sometimes there's not even really a mission. It's more like they're reacting to something. Like other times, like it, they up the stakes each time to the point where I'm like, yeah, keep doing this until you can't up the stakes. 
keep doing this until Tom Cruise dies on set. Like, <laughs> um, I just, they are, <laughs> this is so fucked up of me to say, but <laughs> as the biggest fan of Tom Cruise on this podcast, but yeah, each of them, at, and, and, and speaking as a person who just watched all of them, like, yes, this movie needed to be made because of a few specific things too. For one, I really think that they expand the Lucius character in this in a good way. Two, the Rebecca Ferguson character. Like, I'm glad that they give her another chance to, like, understand that she's also like Ethan Hunt. She can't just escape this type of thing. Like, um, it helps to understand that in the fourth... So, IMF was run poorly by different people who were shady early on. And then you get to a point where... where the government is wondering, should we even have the IMF? Like, we have the CIA. Why would we have the IMF? And in the last one, you get Alec Baldwin, who's, like, the biggest advocate of not having IMF. He's like, the CIA should handle this. And by the end of that, he's like, actually, they're really, really valuable to us, and I'm also going to lead them now. And then you get into this one where it's like, oh, actually, maybe the CIA is bad. And this is why we need the IMF because there's too many holes in the CIA. So I, I think that they're ex- they're exploring these stories really well and adding to it in really effective ways where I think it needed to be made. And I think the creativity of the movie, how it's original and how it stands out from just the genre is just in the stunts that they do and the missions that they do. Like, the constantly twisting nature of each of these, it, they're getting more silly about it, but they're getting better at it too. And I think the stunts, like I still think the Dubai sequence and Ghost uh, Ghost Protocol is probably like the coolest, mm. most like heart pumping sequence. But like, it's not like they're just like going lower, you know? They're still upping it. Like Tom Cruise yeah. is doing crazier and crazier shit. He's breaking more and more bones for these movies. So. <laughs> I'm this was the one it. where he like jumped across the building and he grabbed yeah. on. That's yeah, when he like it, broke, it hits his he, like, chest. Dislocated yeah. his like yep. arm or something. Yeah. Yeah, he got fucked, and he and it slows down the process of making yeah. these movies whenever he does that. But like, there's so many cool stunts. There's so much, so many cool gadgets, like things that they're doing that I'm. I I think is this the most original of the Mission Impossible movies? I don't know. I think I'm at a. 5.5. Mm. Where are you, Layla? Well, I thought first you froze I say, on my screen, Gabe. Yeah, but I'm in person. You're in front of me in person. Yeah. That tripped <laughs> yeah. me up. Go ahead, Layla. Um, well, first I want to say, like, I don't think we even knew we needed Gabe to have watched all of the Mission Impossible movies <laughs> before doing this, but we did. Um, yeah. Because that really is, like, the background that you need to be able to score this movie on this category, truly. Because that's yeah, what you're... Yeah. When we're and talking you also about have to original- take my Tom Cruise-obsessed yeah. uh, personality. <laughs> you got to take it's it at face value. your personality now? Yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> um, you kind of need, like... It's it's interesting with, like, movies that are in a series like this that are, like, pretty, like, sim- like action Damn, movies that just are, like, sequenced like that, like... You do kind of need to compare them to each other, really, to see if sure. it has any original thought or if it's, like, expanding on the series or not. Um, I think I I'm going to go with a four. Okay. Because um, I was going to okay. go much lower until you gave that speech. So um, going, <laughs> off, of, going wow. off of the fact that it really is, like, 
you know, building on the series and really like continuing to amp up, as you said, like these storylines and and bringing characters back to expand on those characters. I don't think it deserves a low score. I'm just going to go with a four because like, I think there are still parts of this movie that are within this series that exist within this series, like certain character tropes and certain things about the characters that just feel like a lot of the same to me. Um, But I'm also not quite as much of a fan as you are. Um, So I'm just going to be a little bit less generous and I'll just go with a four. I would say just in terms of originality, if I'm like really thinking about it, I think Rogue Nation is, is more creative and I like the, the concept of this syndicate of, like essentially all these like agents who are now it's basically like what if Javier Bardem's character in uh uh Skyfall yeah yeah had like a whole team of people like him that actually left the service and that's cool and I like that they expand on it because the syndicate's not done like um but I I would say it's that and then Mission Impossible 3 which you really don't know where it's going, but you you get the opening scene that like is like a they show it to you, and then you have to find out what actually happens in that scene. Those are like the two most original ones, I would say. But this one's up there. So you're sticking with five point five then? Yeah, I just think in okay. general, I don't think the Mission Impossible movies now are like they What's can't be that original. Legacy, because you're already kind of speaking to mm-hmm. legacy of this specific Mission Impossible movie in the series does it i th- hold its own over time more than the other ones yeah or something like i that? think that if you're gonna talk about the two biggest mission impossible movies it's got to be the first one and this one this yeah, is the one where like everyone was like holy shit this movie deserves like academy awards you know whether that's valid or not like i i certainly wouldn't have but like there's an emotion this movie is so all-encompassing of everything that works for Mission Impossible while also bringing in a lot of emotional stuff and and really packing in a lot more action um, and characters you can care about that it totally changed the game and the perspective of like what people thought of Mission Impossible movies. Because a lot of people are like, oh, another one? Like, th- There's so many of these. And it has to have a high legacy because of that. I mean, it's also one of the most successful movies all time. It's now leading us into Dead Reckoning Part 1 and Part 2, which I think people are extremely excited about because Fallback became such a, like, cultural... It's like the first time this became a cultural thing since the first one. Mm -hmm. And I would say something like the third one has the legacy of saving the series. It's, It's... It changed the series for good. And it holds up really well. And um, I, I think that we wouldn't have these ones without the third one. You know, like the first one could exist and we would have like a totally different Mission Impossible thing now. Like the first one's always going to be up there. But I think Fallout for a lot of people is the best Mission Impossible movie. And so because of that, I, I think I have to go with a six. Like, it doesn't have the legacy of the first one as being, like, you know, the most famous action, one of the most famous action movies of all time. But Fallout has totally shifted what a Mission Impossible movie could be. And it can't possibly be a seven because you accidentally called it Fallback in the middle of that. I said Fallback. Oh, my God. I've been working on these 
contract I was fallbacks. This incredibly big confused. I was like, man, I missed a Mission Impossible, and they also they named one Fallout, and then fall one back called Fallback. Like, yeah. Layla, where are you at? Um, I'm going to go with the Impossible six. Legacy. Yeah. I'm going to go with a six. I um, I think this movie is incredibly important within the series, just like Gabe was saying and everything. Um, and um, I think it's, I think it, I think the only critique I could possibly have out as someone who's not quite as into Mission Impossible as Gabe is, or for speaking for people that maybe like know and like Mission Impossible, but don't follow it Love as closely it, yeah. I do think the like last three Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and this one kind of meld in my mind a tiny bit. Not in the sense of like storylines or anything like that, but I almost like without knowing it, kind of already before I started mixed up where they were in the timeline. If that makes sure. sense, like I had seen bits and parts of them on rewatch, but like I wasn't as like in them in the sense that you are. So I do think that like that kind of gets lost if you're not like an avid like paying attention to mission impossible i don't know if this movie like for me signifies itself as i know exactly where it fits in the timeline or if i like that kind of stuff um but i'm still gonna give it a six like once you do get past that and you're like starting to watch it and you know where you're at and you know like which movie is which like this is like absolutely like an important film to push it to keep going right like we've we've got so much coming because of this movie and because this movie was successful if this movie hadn't been successful we would not be looking at more films so it has to be a six and i and on your note about you know the the last three movies melding together i think there's like a positive and a negative for that obviously the negative is that the movies are so similar in in style and feel that they feel like one movie another part of that is like when I remember when I saw Fallout and Rebecca Ferguson was in it, I was like, I, I remember Michelle Monaghan being in these movies. And then I was like, wait, who the fuck is she? I think it's also because yeah. I didn't know who Rebecca Ferguson was at the time. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, who is she? Like, why is she important? Like, is there this back? She's like, don't make me go through you, Ethan. And I was like, like, why do you care? Who the fuck is this? And that That's is fair. a problem. Um, but I would say the positive thing is I, I, while Mission Impossible 3 is probably the most important in terms of how it changed it early on, I think the series that I love really started with Ghost Protocol and has gotten better since then. And I, I consider that its own thing. Yeah. And, and so they do blend together and they're kind of, it's like a blend together that goes upwards in slope. So, yeah. All right. Quickly give your indictments of the legacy of, uh gray man here because this is one of the biggest runaway (laughs) wins of all time i (laughs) wish you could you could see these scores they're in the notes i shared yeah i mean i'm not surprised going on here i think Um, the thing about gray man is there was so much hype going into this movie there was so much money put into it and it's become part of this bigger conversation about what the fuck netflix is doing Um, how Netflix has kind of destroyed movie theaters, but then destroyed itself in the process, how Netflix gives these boatloads of money to people that don't necessarily need that much money. And it was really cool for creativity, but now they're putting it more towards people that aren't very creative. You know, we're still getting Noah Baumbach things, you know, I mean, that's a based off of a book, but they, they've already said they're slowing down on a lot of the like indie things that made Netflix really interesting. And they're doubling down on these big franchises. So 
it sucks that this movie had to get roped into it, but it really became this like talking point of like, are we sure that Netflix is doing this right? And then meanwhile, as it comes out, Netflix is firing a ton of people and and probably going to go in debt and it's losing the streaming wars. So it's it's just, it's so interesting that this movie brings that in. So I think like, as Lalo always says, like bad press is good press in that way. Like, I think people are still, I mean, The Gray Man has been one of the most popular ones on Netflix for a really long time and it will continue to be because it has that star power and because there's so much word of mouth of like, what the fuck is this movie? But how is it going to, last over time besides that who knows because like we didn't get to see it have a theatrical run and critics didn't like it but they didn't hate it and audiences seem to just be like yeah it's fine and they're making a another one and they're making spin-offs of it and the russo brothers are gonna have a whole series it's just, like yeah it's gonna have a legacy uh but is it gonna age well over time no it didn't even age well in the moment so yeah. I like subjectively am very low and objectively I think I have to give it like a four. Yeah. I, I think it's average for four. a big, yeah. yeah. I think it like sways in both directions, you know, like part of what you're saying, like really gives it a legacy. But if you're like just thinking about it in terms of like, I don't think people are going to rewatch this first one. I think that's no. an important thing to signify, right? Like the conversation around it gives it right. a higher legacy score, but like the film itself is not aiding that. <laughs> sure. Um, so I'm going to fall right in the middle of the four as well. But like the crazy thing is, as you were talking, I was thinking about it. Like, I'm definitely going to watch the sequel. Like, I know I will because I'm just going to yeah, be so course. curious, you know, like and that's a big part of the conversation. Even those that didn't like it are definitely still going to watch it because we know they're probably going to get some kind of cool cast and it's just going to be curiosity for me. I want to see if they can like do better than they did last time or if it's going to be even worse this time around. Um so, like, in that sense, it is going to carry on, and it's going to continue probably to do well for Netflix in a certain sense, simply because sure. of that conversation. Um, and I think that's shitty for people like you and I who care a lot about good I, content. That's what I was going to say. Like, I would you know? say the overall theme of both of our legacy points is we're always going to look back and be like, oh, man, what a bummer. This could have been so cool. Right. I was watching yeah. the first few scenes, and I was like oh, wow, this could have been like, this could be one of the great action movies, and it's so immediately it's not. Pretty, totally, they, and I think it's I think it. it's really sad that we are kind of in an age of film where, like, because of the way that people are consuming stuff like this, creating, like, that kind of conversation is enough, right? Because if you get yeah. enough streams of it, then it's going to be worth it, or if people are talking about it enough, even negatively, to watch it, then it matters. Like, mm. no one's going to pay... 15 bucks to go in theaters but if it's about streaming right that's hella easy to like be like go watch this shitty movie we put out because it's hilarious that it's shitty yeah <laughs> and that's yeah. really sad <laughs> i it's so true i mean well it is really shitty it got only 26 points out of 70 <laughs> yeesh and mission impossible got 57.5 out of 70 for... which i would say is like a low low on my end but i uh yeah i'm sorry it's well, I I who cares? Like Mission Impossible, no, mi the Mission Impossible series is going to do just fine without our scores. True. Like they, that's they're fine. True. That's true. Uh, do we have any other recommendations? Gabe's recommended uh, Mission Impossible's one and this one. <laughs> no, I really and recommend three, Mission one, Impossible three. three. I think one. it's really. I think 
Mission Impossible Three and Rogue Nation should be rewatched. Um, I'm I because I actually think they're going to go dark with it again, like they did. Like Mission Impossible Three is really dark, and I think they could do that again. Um, it I like highly it's time recommend. Go dark. Like yeah, I I highly recommend. You know, like I I guess we don't even need to say the John Wick movies because they're so popular now. Yeah. But like I do really think like go and watch the John Wick movies again because the, what they do with the f- action is so cool. But I would also say, like, lesser-known ones are The Raid Redemption, which is the first one. It, it doesn't make sense that it's called that. But Raid Redemption and The Raid 2 are, like, the coolest fight movies I've ever seen. Um, and you and uh, some of the guys that are involved in it are part of, like, John Wick 2 and John Wick 3. So um, I really recommend those for action. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's... There's a lot of espion, like spy espionage stuff that I really I mean, recommend. I love the Bourne series. I do really like the Bourne series. Like, I really like you, Bourne Legacy. I think it's like slept on. I know Chris Ryan on. and Andy Greenwald are obsessed with it and no yeah. one else. But like that movie's actually pretty solid. Yeah, I have a good time with it. If it's something that you slept on when you were younger, because we like, I don't know, I, I was kind of young when that came out or whatever. But like... Go back and watch them. They're kind of fun. They're kind of a really fun, like, weekend watch if you just want to, like, engage with a fun action espionage movie. <laughs> yeah. I have another recommendation. It has nothing to do with these movies, but I just am going to recommend everyone go see it. Go see the movie Barbarian that just came out in oh theaters. God. Do not read anything about it. Do not watch the trailer. Just go see it in don't theaters. Know if you like horror. Um, you, if you're really squeamish, yes. don't see it. But it is... D- just that's just all you it. need to know you can look at a poster that's just it do just it. go do it i promise you i would see it a third time it's it awesome. is one of the most absurd movies i've ever seen um thank you for that that was the only thing i was going to add gabe so now i have nothing else to say good go ahead and plug us i had a good time listening i am inspired to watch all the mission impossibles now nick you, you should. disappeared on available. my screen because of how dark you are yeah it's are very dark at first <laughs> it's very dark so now. it was just his silhouette and it it <laughs> Looks like in the in uh, documentaries when there's the person who's like, <laughs> because they're like hiding their identity. Um, that's what it well, looked like. like. Now it's there. just black. Okay. I'm just nothing. Um, Plug me. Go check us out on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facing Off Pod. You can find us on Twitter, Facing Off Pod. You can send us an email with any requests for any. Um, episodes that we should do or any notes uh, any reviews that you think we were just like looking over or we missed about these movies I can't speak Uh, facingoffpodcast at gmail.com we're going to hit you with a great episode for our next one we don't even know what it is yet it's going to be so good so make sure that you are subscribed and that you leave us a a rating it's a a, a one click pony um, or maybe a two-click pony on uh, on Spotify or a little review on Apple. It really means the world to us. We're back. We're going to be re- recording some more episodes. I know we took breaks, but we're here for you. We here for you. Um, Nick, do you have a send-off? Don't say preternatural. It's an asshole word. <laughs> this episode will self-destruct in three, two, one.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.